So I got a holy discontent. And last year, I, I went after it with God. I was like, God, I'm believing that miracles are normal, not only for this generation, this world that we live in, but for me, myself, that I would be a, a, a carrier of miracles, but there'd be a miracle in me. And so I started to petition God and get really serious about going after seeing this whole thing of anaphylaxis just completely nullified. And uh, I got to the point where I got that serious where I was like, right, I'm going back to see the specialists and I want them to do tests. And so every altar call there was for prayer and healing, I was there. For every time there was an opportunity for someone to lay hands on me, there was prayer. And last year, towards the, the, the middle of the year, I went back to the specialist and I was like, I want you to do blood tests because I believe that God's gonna do a miracle in my body. And they're like, we don't do that, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, th these things don't change. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you don't know my God. Um, and so I just went after it. And over a process of 12 months of just pressing into God and being absolutely vigilant about this, like I'm talking pray and fast. I'm talking not just, Lord, please take away my allergies. I'm like, I petitioned heaven. I went after it. I was like, God, I am not content to know you as the God of miracles in the Bible and not the God of miracles in my life. And so as I pressed into that space, I literally got to the end of the year and finally got that appointment because, you know, COVID, everything gets pushed back. <laughs> push back, push back, push back. Got to the end of the year. I was in a prayer meeting. Team came around, prayed for me for allergies. One of our young guys prophesied that God was gonna do a miracle and I was gonna be healed of my allergies. I was like, I will agree with that in Jesus' name. And then my other friend, Erin, front row here, came and she was like, here, I've got some nuts. Do you wanna try it? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Common sense, not, not crazy, right? But common sense. I said, we'll hold off on that. But I went back to the doctors on the 9th of December last year. Went back for the results of my lung function and my blood tests. I sat down with the specialist and she sat down with me and she said to me, if you would like to be exonerated from one of these things, which one would it be? And I was like, one? <laughs> I, no, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, but I, I mean, if you wanted to, to, to be able to do anything with one of them, what would it be? I was like, no, 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 all of them. <laughs> it's not negotiable. <laughs> I'm not petitioning God for half a miracle or a quarter of a miracle. I want it all. So I was like, nah, all of it. And she's like, okay. She said, well, look, she said, it's really crazy. We're not sure. We don't really quite understand. We're going to have to investigate it further. But your blood work has come back completely negative for allergies. Okay. Y'all just gave God a golf clap. I said, the blood work came back with no allergies. Okay. See, when you know what it is to want and need a miracle, you know what it is to praise God when you're either wanting it and seeing it in someone else's life and knowing that it's possible and going after it, creating a hunger in you. And I'm telling you right now, I can't wait tomorrow to eat croissants with you all. Like legitimately, I'd never eaten croissant. I had my first croissant probably what, maybe two months ago? And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, oh my gosh. Like I looked at them and was like, oh, yeah, puff pastry, oh, not that great. <laughs> but they're amazing. Anyway, I get to enjoy nuts, sesame, wheat, and every other kind of thing that you can imagine that once left me intubated on life support, hanging on to my life, now set free, completely healed, and eating whatever I want. 
Come on. I'm telling you right now, God is so, so good. And He is looking for a generation that are not content to live with checking and check out church, but to actually go after kingdom agenda, to actually go after the kingdom of heaven being distributed here on earth. See, that is what is rightfully ours because when Jesus came, He reinstated our authority. He reinstated our position with God, which means that everything that pertained to them in the garden under the new covenant is ours. So perk the person next to you and tell them, hey, I'm ready to receive my inheritance. I'm ready to receive what's rightfully mine. Oh man, according to your hunger, so shall you be satisfied. I'm praying today that the Word of God's going to deposit in, in your hearts tonight, coming straight from His throne is going to provoke you. It is going to cause you to get on your knees and seek the face of God like you never have before. Because I'm telling you, there is so much that we have not even seen or tasted of that which God wants to do. So Jesus, I thank you right now for your Word. I thank you, God, your Word transforms us. And I thank you, Lord, that you want to put your Word into our hearts, not into our minds tonight, but into our hearts and into our spirits. And so God, right now, I thank you, Holy Spirit, you are present. You are taking every Word and letting it fall into hearts to bring about a good harvest. And so Jesus, would you come in this moment, be glorified through your Word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I personally received healing miracles for myself, but over the last 12 months, and especially over the last six months, I've seen incredible miracles. One of our team members, Pastor Rob, um, from our church in Numa in, the, in Richmond, he had a, um, a, a lung disease that he was diagnosed with in February. That lung disease meant that he basically his lungs were deteriorating and that literally it was like drowning, but not drowning and not having any ability to better get air. He got to the point where he could barely walk up the steps on the platform before he would turn ghostly pale white because the blood wasn't circulating through his body. I mean, he was really, really sick. It was a period he spent like three weeks in hospital. And at this point, all of our staff got together and were like, no, we're not content for this. Our staff all got together and prayed and fast and sought the face of God over his healing. And literally in the July of that year, last year, we saw him completely and utterly transformed. His lungs are completely fine. Doctors can't explain it. They had him on deathbed. They had him ready to, to enter into heaven. And literally he is now, and they was told he would never fly. He would never, he would never, he would never, he would never. It was a list of things. And now he's been out flying, he's been to Africa. He's, he's been everywhere traveling as a result of the healing work of God in his lungs. He went from something like um, a, a really low percentage of his heart, I mean, so his lung capacity to being um, 140, I think, percent on his lung function tests. Like, we're not talking little improvement here. We're talking miraculous improvement. We had a guy in our church just recently, um, his name's Steve, and he has, a, um, he has cystic fibrosis of the lungs, and we're praying for that miracle. But as a result of, that, of that, um, uh, that disease, his liver was failing. Literally sent me a text message a month ago and was like, hey, I'm just letting you know, I've been back to the doctors, and literally my whole liver function has turned around. My whole liver function has turned around and now I can go do these things here. I can go here and I can do this. They literally were going to pull him on, um, is it, um, what do they do in your liver? Um, dialysis? 
I'm not, I don't have a medical background. Um, but it was on the point of liver failure. Turned around, 100%. And he came to me last night and he's like, I can't wait to share with you. I've got so much more to tell with you about it. And I was like, we're about to start services and I need to hear this story. <laughs> but God's on the move. He's doing miracles. I literally watched a knee right in front of me as I prayed for a lady and felt it under my hand as I prayed for her at the altar for a knee that was completely needing surgery. And I prayed for it and I felt it under my knee. I was like, did you feel that? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I felt that. That's unbelievable. And she's like, oh my gosh. And she sat there in the middle of our service at the altar call and she was down on her knees like doing this, like just moving and bending and doing things that she was not able to do and was gonna have to have surgery to fix. Oh, Mate, does anyone dissatisfied with their own Christian life right now? I'm praying this creates a holy discontent in you. Because we're not meant to settle with normal. We're not meant to settle with average or check in and check out church. We're meant to petition heaven to see heaven come to earth and to have God's kingdom agenda in working through each and every single one of us. This is not about the SWAT team or the professionals or you're the preacher and you're the pastor. This is about every believer understanding their position in Christ and being able to walk out confidently with that authority and be a blessing to the world in which we live. Oh man, I'm telling you right now, there is something that's gonna get unlocked in this. I got a nephew and, uh, and he, he loves uh, uh, YouTube and has his own YouTube channel. He's like 15. And um, he's like, I need follow me. I'm like, yeah, 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 cool. So I followed him on Instagram and, um, and then followed him on uh, YouTube. And, uh, and he's like, subscribe, you know? And I'm like, okay. And I got on there I'm like, this is boring as heck. Like he's posting videos about some game he's playing. I'm like, what would I watch that for? And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's great. You know, and he's, you know, venturing into like editing and all that sort of stuff, fun stuff, you know, kids. And uh, anyway, and he comes back to me at Christmas time and he was like, hey, Aunty Ray. And that's my nickname for my nephews and nieces, Aunty Ray. And, and then he's like, Aunty Ray, do you follow me? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, did you see my last video? And I was like, no. And he's like, you said you followed me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I follow you. And he's like, well, you don't really. If you didn't see my last video, you don't really follow me. You follow me by, a, you know, a button, but you don't really follow me. You don't personally follow me. And I was like, oh, I need to fail. <laughs> But literally, you know, we, we literally live in a world where, where we call ourselves followers of Jesus, but I question how much we actually follow Him. Because in my Bible, it says that when we follow Him, we will go preach the Word, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Just a small job description for every believer. Oh, for me, it creates complete unrest in my heart and in my spirit. Because I believe that we are called to be more than just the crowd following Jesus, but that we are called to be a part of the called walking with Jesus. Let me tell you, there's a distinct difference. There is a distinct difference between calling yourself a Christian and being a follower of Jesus and being a believer and following the call of God on your life in following Jesus and walking with Him. Can I show you? Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to go to verse 28. And it says this, And when Jesus finished saying these things, 
the crowds were astonished at his teaching. A little bit of context, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, Sermon on the Mount, major teachings of Jesus. Brilliant. Have a read, encourage you. But in this point of the book, they bring attention to the fact that the crowds were astonished at Jesus' teaching. Verse 29 says, For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. So listen, the crowds were astonished at his teachings. But in Matthew chapter 8, 9 and 10, we see the display of his authority. So in the earlier chapters, he teaches with authority. In the second part of the book, he actually displays authority. It goes on and says in chapter 8 of Matthew, in verse 1, it says, And when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. The crowds followed him. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, it says, And he called to himself 12 disciples, not professionals, not the elite few, not the select SWAT team, 12 disciples. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. Ah, okay, let's make a couple of observations here. Firstly, the crowd have proximity to Jesus. They have proximity to Jesus, but the call, check this, they have intimacy with Jesus. I say this with the kindest of hearts possible because I know what it's like to live as a follower of Jesus, as a part of a crowd and to not follow him as a part of the called walking with him. Let me explain what I mean. Turn up to church, tick the box. I've done my church. I served in an area. I've done my spiritual gifts tests. I've found my space and I do my thing. But Monday through to Saturday is void and empty of anything but Jesus. You can have proximity and not have intimacy. See, you need to understand that proximity doesn't lead to intimacy. Just hanging out at church, just hanging out at youth, just hanging out with Christian people does not make you a follower of Jesus walking with him in intimacy. The proximity often leads to familiarity because it was the crowds that were like, isn't this just the, the Jesus that was born here and the carpenter's kid, you know, like proximity leads to familiarity. But when we understand that the called have intimacy with Jesus, it changes everything because intimacy leads to identity. Oh, you missed it. Intimacy leads to identity and identity leads you to kingdom authority. 
oh, you wait till tomorrow. We're going to unpack this and we're going to have some fun. It's going to be so fun. I tell you right now, if you could just, just, just snapshot for a minute, you're not just Christians coming to church. You're sons and daughters restored by the Father to relationship with Him through the Son and empowered by the Holy Ghost to bring heaven to earth. Oh, I'm telling you, everything changes. The whole paradigm of thinking changes when you realize you're not called to just have proximity with God and, you know, and a following of Jesus, but you're called to personally walk with Him in intimacy. Oh. A second observation is this, the crowd recognize and observe kingdom authority. The previous verse, we just realized they observed his authority when he taught. They were like, wow, hey, he's amazing. He teaches with authority. It even says they were astonished. But the crowds recognize and observe kingdom authority. They observed all of these crazy miracles. Just take, go home and do yourself a favor. Just read chapter eight through to 10 for me when you go home. And look at what authority displayed looks like. Because they recognized it in his teachings and they observed it in his display of his authority. The healing of the sick. It's unbelievable. But you know what? The called have and display kingdom authority. Let me say it again. The called have and display kingdom authority authority. Let's read verses seven and eight of chapter 10 in Matthew. It says this. This is Jesus. Verse five says, 12 Jesus sent out instructing them. Hmm. So he called them and then he sends them out. And verse seven, he says, proclaim as you go saying, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. Whew. The cold have and display kingdom authority. Man, you know, I had to ask myself some challenging questions last year when I was pressing into God and being like, God, I, I'm not content to, to not just have healing for my life, but I wanna see miracles. I wanna see signs and wonders. Can I tell you, I had that passion from a very young age. Got saved at five, filled with the Spirit at six, crazy, crazy health journey in my life and dependency on God and believing He could heal others. I was in and out of hospitals as a kid, Royal Children's Hospital with asthma all the time. I made it my mission to walk around and go lay hands on everybody because I read it in the Bible, I heard about it in the Bible, believed that it was true. I took every word that He said to be true until disappointment kicked in. At 16, I lost my cousin, devastated me. And all of a sudden, I had faith to believe that Jesus was who he was and said he was, but didn't have faith to believe for the miracles. I was like, I know he can, but does he want to? Have you ever been there? I know he can for them, but does he, does he want to for me? And I just got to a point where I'm like, I'm not satisfied. And I walked around from the age of 16 up until, so 16, what was that, 90? How old am I? 90, 95, somewhere there, 96, 97. 95 is when it happened. 
And up until about 98, I walked around angry at God. I loved him, could never walk away from him, but I was mad at him because he didn't perform. Just hashtag, Jesus isn't a genie in a bottle. He is sovereign. We don't understand it. We don't understand the mysteries of God, but we don't doubt who he is and his sovereignty and what he can do. But man, I struggled with that. And then up until 2014, I was driving home from an itinerant preaching opportunity I had in Wodonga. I was coming back through. I was passing my cousin's graveside and the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to pop in and go, go to the grave. And I was like, well, I want to do that for him there. Well, we know he's going to heaven. Like, Eventually after, like, I'm like you, we, <laughs> we banter, we bark, we, <laughs> finally I walked in and I was like, all right, I'll go into the graveside. And I sat down and the Holy Spirit said to me, Cherie, when we buried your cousin, you buried your faith. And I was like, what do you mean I buried my faith? I'm an itinerant minister. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm da, da, da. And he's like, no, no, you buried your faith for the things that I had put in you and called you to. Because you weren't meant to live just to proclaim. You're meant to display. You're meant to demonstrate. And I, it grieved me. I broke my heart. I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I walked around for almost 20 years with this detached faith for God of miracles. I tell you what, after that, I went after it. I went after it in every opportunity I could. I was not content to live a life that didn't look like Jesus. And I think, to be honest with you, I think the church bought into a lie. Get some nice lights, get a nice stage, get a nice band and let's worship and have a great time. But we missed what our actual purpose was. The purpose of church is to equip and train you to go out into a world that desperately needs you. That's the whole purpose. And, and, and I just was like, oh God, I, I can't do this fake Christian thing. You're either God or you're not. And I, and I need to see this. And I get the sovereignty of God. So I, I know that there are people in here and you're struggling with that because you, you've gone through some stuff. And you've had to negate and negotiate and work your way through your own faith around some of these things. What we don't understand, we have to trust that God is sovereign and his mysteries will never fully understand. But that he is God and he calls us to petition and go after these things. Here's a couple of distinctions for you about what it looks like, the difference between the crowd and the called. The crowd seek wonders that Jesus did. The called do the wonders that Jesus did. The crowd marvel at the miracles that Jesus did. The called called Jesus to marvel. You remember the centurion? He's in chapter eight, just by the way, if you go back there later tonight and read that, it's a great story. He comes before Jesus and says, hey, I can't remember if it was his servant or his son, was sick, dying. Can you, come and he, can you come and pray for him? Can you come and heal him? And Jesus is like, yep, let's do it. And the servant was, the centurion was like, no, 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 you don't need to come. Just say the word. I'm a man under authority and understand. You say it and it's done. And it says that Jesus marveled at his faith. Ha, the cold 
cause Jesus to marvel at their faith. Here's another one. The crowd follows for benefits. What can I get? How do I feel? What feeds me? What blesses me? Where's my moment? Where's my prophetic word? But the called, called count the cost. Again, in Matthew chapter eight, you'll read it. The call to count the cost. The crowd wanna be with the popular. Mm. Ooh, this one's a harsh one. You'll find this again in Matthew chapter nine, I think it is. Matthew has just gotten saved. He's a tax collector, has an encounter with Jesus, has a party at his house, invites everyone over. And the Pharisees are like, why is he hanging out with these sinners? He's a teacher. He should be hanging out with us. The crowd want the popular, but the called go to the unpopular. They want to be with the unpopular. They want to be the friends of sinners. They want to be the friends of Matthew. The crowd want Jesus to perform and the called want his presence. The woman with the issue of blood, again, in the same, in between the two chapters here, woman with the issue of blood presses through to be able to have one touch of Jesus, knowing her miracle was a part of it. The crowd listen to the gospel, the called preach the gospel. Oh, that's confronting. Come tomorrow, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We're not called to just observe and listen. We're called to go and preach. We're called to go and make disciples. This is what kingdom agenda looks like. And lastly, of the observations, the crowd observe prayer, but the called pray earnest prayers. They petition God. Oof. Oh, man. My third point about the crowd is this. The crowd believe, they have belief in Jesus. Oh, okay. Turn to John. We didn't put this one on the screen. You're gonna have to turn to it if you've got a Bible. Hopefully you brought one because it's, uh, it's a good book. Um, John chapter 12, verses 42 to 43. It says this, Nevertheless, many, even the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than they love the glory that comes from God. It's possible to be a part of the crowd and be in church and believe and not be a part of the called. See, the, the crowd believe, but they're held back by the fear of man. They're held back by what fear of what people think or what people might say or how that might go down or how I might appear. And so therefore they silence themselves and become an observer in the crowd. Man, I know some of these truths are hitting hard because they're hitting my heart hard. The called believe and are bold. They don't care what others think and they understand that their identity 
and they understand their kingdom agenda on this earth. Oh, they get it. What is the kingdom agenda? The kingdom agenda is this. Jesus calls, come follow me. He even actually speaks to the hesitant follower in these two chapters, if you go back and read it. They wanted to be saved, but they were kind of like, not just yet, I need to go bury my father. Interestingly enough, the father wasn't dead and it wasn't like, let's bury him tomorrow and then follow Jesus. It was the father was still aging and had time left. And it was like, let me just do that. Let me live my life out and then I'll follow Jesus. And Jesus even speaks to the hesitant follower in this space. And he says to them, let the dead bury their own dead. He says, follow me because nothing else matters. So Jesus calls even hesitant followers. But we get a choice to decide whether we want proximity or whether we want intimacy. Second thing kingdom agenda looks like is Jesus gives kingdom authority. He gives kingdom authority. He called them to himself and he gave them authority and then he sends them out to bring heaven to earth. This is what kingdom agenda looks like. Can I have the guys back, maybe the keyboardist? Is that cool? Church, I honestly believe that we're all good-hearted people who genuinely love Jesus. I don't doubt for a second the reality of your experience of Jesus, the salvation, the restoration you've experienced, the healing you may have experienced. But the challenge for us today is where do we find ourselves? Do we find ourselves as a part of a crowd following Jesus? Or do we find ourselves a part of the called walking with Jesus? And there's only one of two options. And you can be a part of the, the called walking with Jesus, but have be restricted in fear with a spirit of fear that just locks you up, shuts you down and keeps you silent. I honestly believe that God wants to set some people free tonight. I believe he wants to heal some bodies. I believe that he wants to bring people back into an alignment with what kingdom agenda looks like. And he wants to set his people on fire for him. I don't know if you've seen it, but revival is breaking out across the nations right now. And I tell you, it's, it's not coming because of the nice lights and the nice production and the nice videos or the nice three-point message. It's coming because people got hungry for an encounter with Jesus. And just as it was with the disciples who were called, they went and laid everything down to follow him and walk with Him in intimacy. Maybe you're here and you're intimate with Jesus and you meet with Him and you, you have your coffee and you read your Bible and you go to work, but maybe He's calling you today to step in a little bit longer. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm part of the crowd. I just check in on Sundays and I check out or I check in at youth ministry and I check out. His call is come follow me. Come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. I will give you what is required to go preach the gospel, to heal the sick and to raise the dead and cleanse the lepers. 
This is who he is. And this is his agenda. So Jesus, right now, I thank you for these people. I thank you for their genuine love for you. But I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who provokes us, convicts us, and draws us closer. Lord, it is not about being good enough for you, but it's about being intimate with you. Out of everything else, intimacy it comes out of everything comes out of intimacy. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, would you come flood our hearts? Flood our hearts. Oh God, where we've been poked and where we're a little bit uncomfortable, God, would you come shift us where we need to be, right align us to our reinstated place with you, Jesus. Authority being given to us. Not to presume that you're a genie in a bottle or to be a, a wizard with a wand, but to be followers of Jesus who would walk and talk like he did, who would walk and display the power of heaven to bring heaven to earth and to bring souls into the kingdom. Jesus, we are so not content to live in our mediocre life with a check-in and check-out Christianity, but God, we wanna be laid down lovers. We wanna be laid down lovers. We wanna be laid down living sacrifices before a loving God. Jesus. So why don't you stand to your feet in this moment? I believe that there is definitely three actions that the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in today's, in tonight's service. And the first one is that we actually need to respond. We actually have to choose intimacy over proximity. And I'm just gonna simply ask you to respond in the only way that you know how. It's not a method, it's repentance. It's repentance of God forgive me for the way I've been living. And repentance isn't like just God give me forgiveness. Repentance is a change of mind. It is a change of thinking. God, come and change my thinking about how I view my life as a follower of Jesus. God, come and change my life because I can't live as a crowd following You. I wanna live as an intimate follower walking with Jesus, transformed. So we're just gonna take a moment right now to do that. Because then I believe that God actually wants to deposit kingdom authority into each of you and for you to receive that. And for some of you tonight, you're gonna be sent for the first time, but for some of you, you're gonna be redeployed. Redeployed. You're gonna be redeployed for the kingdom's agenda here on earth. You're gonna be redeployed to bring life and love to people who desperately need it.